You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. so that it will not bother us. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Uh, we are live. Um, this is episode, oh, my gosh, seven. I, I, since we had we did that one episode that was like an off episode, I'm constantly like a little bit off because it's, you know, oh, it's it should be episode six, part six of the Grishaverse, but it's episode seven, part <laughs> six of the Grishaverse. Uh, today we're covering the second half of Six of Crows. Yay! Uh, so we are going to, uh, start with our little synopsis of what we read, what we read, oh my gosh, I can't talk, what we read <laughs> this time around, and, uh, then we'll jump into some discussion on, uh, on, yeah, the second half of this wondrous book. So, Nick, take it away. Okay, y'all, it's time to wrap up Six of Crows. Here we go, and what a fucking ride. Our not-so-merry band finally shows up in Deerholm, but what's the best way to get into an ice prison? Dress up as prisoners. Brilliant. What could go wrong? The guys and girls are separated because we can't have nice things like a co-ed prison. Luckily, Kaz planned for that, and they use just to let the boys escape. Kaz and Wyland then go to free Nina and Inej. Once they're freed, Kaz and Nina go to find Boyol Bayer, but come across some guards in a torture chamber. Gun goes off, prison gets put into lockdown. They have to get out of the lockdown area, so the team regroups, and Nanej climbs the incinerator, throw down a rope, so everyone else can get out. But Kaz has gone to find Pekka Rollins, and even their score. You'll remember from the previous summary, as a kid, Pekka Rollins fucked over Kaz. Anyway, Jasper waits at the bottom for Kaz, but will Kaz return in time? He does, but there's no Pekka Rollins, and they continue on. They need to enter the castle, so they split up to get in. Kaz and Matthias... Enter by crossing the moat and disguising themselves as guards. Inej and Nina dress as performers and try to use the front door, but Inej looks suspicious and has to wait, which means Inej her former madam from the menagerie, Helene. Oh, fuck. She starts to tell the guards about Inej, but just then, all the alarms go off. Wyland and Jesper had snuck in and broke the chain, holding up the gate. Cue the klaxon. In the distraction, everyone gets in. Woo. Nina comes across Yarrow Brum. Matthias's old boss, who they thought had drowned in the shipwreck that Nina and Matthias were in. Turns out he's fine. Luckily, he doesn't recognize her. So Nina tries to get Bo Yulbert's location out of him, and he takes her to a vault that is now being used as a lab. There's a bunch of cells with Grisha trapped inside. He locks Nina inside a cell. It turns out he did recognize her. Sneaky. Just then, Matthias appears, but he isn't there to help Nina. No, it turns out he went straight to Brum, his old mentor, and betrayed the crows. He wants Nina to be drugged with the Judah Parem because he, she got him locked up in Hellgate. He feels guilty, but not that guilty. And it's a little late for that anyway. Brum reveals that Yolbert is the same prison is in the same prison, and that because Matthias was such a good boy, he gets to be a Driskel again. But just then, Matthias decides he really likes Nina, like like likes her, and maybe not all Grisha are bad. Why one of the, his best friends might be a Grisha, he knocks Brum out, which is actually the plan all along. He takes Brum's key, locks him up, and goes to get Nina out. Woo. When they finally... Wait, no, what am I doing? 
I don't know. Tara's supposed to read now. It's my turn. All right. I forgot I was muted for a second there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to tweet about the fact that we're live because I'm always late on Twitter with this uh, yeah. webcast. <laughs> All right. So, I think it's my turn. <laughs> yeah, no. So Matthias and Nina go to find Bo Yul Bayer. Instead, they find his son, Kuei. Kuei? Kuei. Kuei, okay. Who is a Grisha? Uh, Bo apparently died in battle, but Kuei knows the secrets of Yurta Param. Before escaping, Kuei destroys the laboratory they are using to manufacture it. Go him. Uh, now everyone just needs to actually escape. Uh, Mata uh, sorry, Ka Kaz, Matthias, Nina, and Kuei all fall into the moat. They, was it a moat? They, they fall into something. They fall into a very cold river. They ingest pellets, allowing them to breathe underwater. They follow the current, hope they don't get swept away and drowned. Uh, Jesper, Wylan, and Inej escaped by drilling a hole in the glass and hijacking a tank, though. So they're the ones we really need to keep an eye on, apparently. Uh, Nina, Matthias, Kuei, and Kaz wash up on the riverbanks, and they see the other group's tank being chased by more tanks. But it's all fine because Inej and company destroy the bridge behind them. Then they run into a feared an army, which has a drugged up Grisha. The army is uh, the army is you know supposed to attack the group if they don't hand uh, Kuei over. And Nina takes Yurta Param despite the risks of getting addicted, and basically single handedly defeats the army and the uh, Yurta fueled Grisha. For good measure, uh, she also heals Matthias after he is shot, which. He would have died otherwise, so, you know, go Nina. Uh, the crew boards the ship and leaves Fierda, but that's not all. I feel like I should pull out a ShamWow. <laughs> <laughs> when they finally get back, Van Eck tries to double-cross the crew, naturally. He uses Grisha to take them out and try to destroy the ship. Kaz reminds him that Wylan is still on the ship with Nina, assuming that Van Eck won't, kill his, won't want to kill his son. Turns out Van Eck doesn't really like Wylan at all, though. And, uh, whoops, miscalculation. But, as it turns out, Wylan was already there, disguised as Kuei. Ouch. Kaz will only tell Van Eck where the real Kuei is if they're allowed to leave safely with their money. Van Eck commands his team to kill everyone but Kaz. But then Kaz lets slip that he's worried about Inej. And Vanek notices. He tells the Grisha to take the money and Inej, and they fly off. Vanek says they have one week to exchange Kuwait for Inej. It turns out that Jesper accidentally gave their plans away to Pekka Rollins when he was being a gambler. <sighs> the crew, minus Inej, go to see Pekka Rollins because he owes Kaz a favor. Oh, yeah. By the way, Kaz let Pekka live back in the prison. We forgot to mention that. Chaos demands that Rollins pass along a message, and also 200,000 crews for their next heist. Rollins agrees, but he says he doesn't remember Kaz from when Kaz was little. The crew leaves, and Rollins realizes he's been pickpocketed, so he vows to kill Kaz. Honestly, kind of fitting, because I'm pretty sure Kaz has vowed to kill him. Yikes. Alright. Uh, yeah, the... the, the uh... Mic drop where dad really doesn't like Wylan was this time around. It's like I, I knew it was coming because I read mm -hmm. it once before, but the first time it's like, oh shit, that like that's rough, man. That's harsh. Yeah. It was that's like, harsh. I always like, like, obviously, it was like 
damn, you, you could sense there's some family drama there when your child just wants to run away from being rich and, like, literally hang out with people called the dregs. But, uh, didn't realize it was that bad. Because uh... yeah, there's, really like, bad. you know, difference between we don't get along and, eh, I'll just murder him. Yup. Um, so... Discussion questions. I, I didn't, I, I, I hope we can come up. I actually had a hard time coming up with discussion questions for the second half of this book. Uh, mostly because there's so many of them that I can, like I did some searches online and everything, but it just didn't really, I don't know. None of them really like spoke to me. They were all kind of bland. So I, I think we've, we've been pretty good about kind of going off on our own tangents, but um, so <laughs> when we first, or when we last met and discussed the first half of this book, uh, we all said who our favorite characters were. Uh, did anybody's favorite character change after reading the second half of this book? Not in my mind. Nope. Yeah, me either. Um, did Thanks. your did your least? Here's the real. Here's the real. Did your least favorite character change? Hell's to the no. Should have let him die from that bullet, girl. Yeah, uh, I, I think my estimation of Jesper definitely goes down by the end of the book, but he was already like just barely above Matthias. So, to me, just I just he was, he was enough above Matthias that he's still now just barely above Matthias, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, I mean, I think. If I were Kaz or any of the other characters, I would, ironically, I think I'd trust Jesper least because of his gambling addiction. I think, I think this is the moment where we really realize how bad the addiction is too. Cause mm -hmm. like, clearly he is in rather deep if he literally just handed away their secrets. And full on, I, at this moment when this happened, like, I couldn't even bring myself to hate him or, like, be, like, dislike him. I just felt pity. I was like, oof, oof, you're a fuck-up and you know it, don't you? Well, I mean, and, and the thing is, like, I, uh, sometimes I'm not sure that these books handle um, addiction the best. Uh, but, I mean, to be honest, like, having had um some family members who not not gambling addictions but who had some other pretty serious addictions um it's it, it, uh you you don't trust these people you can't no matter how much you love them and care about them um and and you know and, and i think that's the that was the hard part for you know kaz especially was that you know he 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 was snarky about Jesper's gambling and stuff beforehand, but and he knew that that he had to keep Jesper close that night, but he still didn't expect Jesper to do what he did. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, I know it wasn't on purpose, but that's the thing. Like sometimes you hurt the people you love the most when you do things that aren't on purpose. Yeah. And I think that's the true. biggest thing was I don't think Kaz had really taken it seriously until now and i think oh, this yeah. happening was like absolutely him being like shit this is a problem not just a ha ha like 
I'm a college kid. I'm an alcoholic. Like that kind of mm-hmm. versus like actually a problem. When I think like, honestly, what kind of puts Jesper and Matthias on the same level for me is that at the end of this book, you're seeing Matthias, like he wants to change. He recognizes his he recognizes his hatred and, and hit it and like where it comes from. And, you know, he, he, I'm not saying he's done the changing he needs to do yet, but like he recognizes that he has these feelings, why he has these feelings and that they, they, you know, that they should change. Um, whereas Jesper just seems kind of like, like even when Kaz confronts him about how he gave away their position, essentially, he's just like, what did I mean to? Like, hey man, you didn't mean to. You should at least say like you're sorry and you're gonna try not to do it again. Yep. Apologies um, are not just saying I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, they're they're actually attempting to change uh you know things about yourself sometimes, which in this case, you know. Um so, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say this necessarily outright changed who my least favorite character or most, it certainly didn't change who my most favorite character was other than I mostly just feel really bad for Nina and what she is going through because she like legit sacrifice, like, like she, she, she very possibly had been, you know, had been sacrificing herself uh, mm-hmm. to, to save her friends. Like, so like that didn't change. But... Yeah. I think this moment was like also that moment where I was like, damn Nina. Cause like, you know, she was always like very much the best, but also she was like <laughs> very chill, you know, and like very carefree in a way that like making such a giant sacrifice doesn't really like, normally vibe with a character like that but then you see her do it and you're like there was no other thing that she would have done and that's mm-hmm. why it was so good still hate matthias to the depths of hell though <laughs> keep him down there Don't in my mind me. in my mind the idea of, like disliking jesper as much as matthias i'm like god what no have ah. you guys seen american history x no, I hear it's really good. With yes, uh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton, Edward Norton, yeah. So in it, um, Edward Norton is a skinhead Nazi. Um, I'm pretty sure, he, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but he straight up has like Nazi tattoos on his body mm-hmm. from what I remember. Um, and he murders, I, I'm pretty sure murders a black guy in cold blood um, and ends up in prison. And... Uh, it's basically, I don't want to call it a redemption story per se. I think that's a stretch considering, but um, it, it's it's very much about, you know, the idea that somebody can grow and change. If you've never seen it, I think honestly, now is probably a good time for anybody to watch it um, because... I think, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, a lot of the people who have those sorts of feelings, maybe not a lot, but some, some, maybe maybe only a handful, but some will have a little bit of a comeuppance in the next few years uh, where they have to learn some hard lessons. Um, but yeah, it, it, and honestly, like having watched that movie, I think I'm a little bit more open to, um, you know, to, to the Matthias's character growth, even though there's 
very little of it by the end of this book. It's very clear that he has seen, you know, kind of a new light and a new way of doing things and is focused on at least trying. Um, Someone who has a somewhat complicated worldview about Nazism and Judaism, (laughs) as I have Holocaust survivors in my family and I also have Hitler youth in my family. What you're indoctrinated in as a youth, you know, yes, you can evolve and and you change over time, but he's 18 years old and he's been indoctrinated in this since he was basically as long as he can remember. So that's, in all fairness to him, that's what he knows, right? Yeah, oh, and it's not yeah, an I easy thing to just so, up and change magically. You know what I mean? I think he, the thing that is a struggle for me here is that he has started that process, but he has not committed to it and he has not finished it. And I think to me, saying that you want to change and that you maybe see the light is so much different than actually changing. So yeah. the fact that we have not gotten the completion of that journey yet makes me still dislike him because to me until he proves otherwise he is the lowest of the low and i mean i also have very very strong negative feelings to everything his character represents because of a lot of personal like he, he's a, he's a young, directed at me by people of that age when I was that age. Hmm. And so like, I like logically, yes, I understand what indoctrination in beliefs do to a person, because let's be very fair. I grew up being kind of homophobic and saying some very harmful things without realizing how harmful it was. And then I grew up, I, went to college, I spoke to LGBTQ folks, I realized that they were just regular people and that I had my head on my ass and a lot of internalized homophobia. And, you know, and I grew and I changed. And none of that shit that I did when I was a kid was right. And that harm that I caused back then, I can't just go back and say that it was okay because like I grew, you know? And so on that level, I do have sympathy for growing up in a place that lets you be, that makes you a terrible person without you knowing or understanding why those views are so warped and evil. But I also know that the harm that that caused doesn't go away even after amends have been made. And amends haven't been made yet amends have just sort of entered his mind as a thing that, huh, maybe this should happen. And even then not like, really? So I'm just very still upset at him. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, yeah, that doesn't, yeah, those feelings don't go away either. (laughs) He's a young fascist who has is finding his humanity with one specific person of the exactly. other, of the other group and but he hasn't had enough 
of a worldview to meet any others yet. It's the one at the moment that's and I think hit, that's hit, that his, his, his humanity. Yeah, he realized because you meet them. It's like there's a big difference when it's just oh, yeah. the generic other from a far away, as in the enemy and someone you meet personally on a, and have a personal relationship. Um, yeah, no, I I definitely see that, and I think that's another thing that kind of I struggled with with him, because like I find it real difficult to believe that every single Grisha he met was like a terrible person. Oh, but that, and that's the no, thing. He, but he never met them. Yeah, he, he didn't really meet them. He didn't get to know them. And 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 that's the point. Like he doesn't yeah, all, no, I all just, he knows is is what happened to like his family. And then every time he's met Agrisha, and again not excusing what he did at all, but every time he's met Agrisha since then, it was part uh, it was as part of the Juscala. So he just kind they, they just took them prisoner and didn't, you know, they didn't care about who they were. They didn't know who they yeah, were. Yeah, no, it just it just my I my problem from all of it just stems with like the level of violence that is directed to the Grisha by him. It's not just like he says mean things. It's like they murder them. You know? Mm -hmm. And I I think that just makes me be like, mm, okay, so you met a girl and she's cute, and she also happens to be one of the people you were taught to hate and murder. And now you're like, okay. Well, I I like this cute girl and I'm horny and I'm having I'm having second thoughts because I am a good person and I wouldn't be horny for a bad person and I'm literally like and like I think that's why I side-eye his arc so much because granted I know there's more. I know it's supposed to be more. I know he really is changing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but I'm sitting here and I'm like your dick acted up. And now you're like morally writing yourself. So <laughs> you fell in love with quote unquote a witch and you can't deal with that. And I'm just like, catch me not believing a thing that comes out of your mouth until you actually start treating other Grisha with respect. And, yeah. you know, actively. Really, honestly, like other people in general too. Like he, he, that. Like, he has like yeah, a sort he of, he has like a sort of negative respect for like Kaz and stuff, but like, he's very much, he's just a really judgmental person. But then again, yeah. aren't all fascists. I mean, yeah, but it's just like, like everything about his personality just like rubs me wrong yeah. because I'm like, oh, we're so dislikable. Why does Mina have this terrible taste? Are you really that handsome? Because I fucking doubt it. So I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend fascists here for a second. It's oh not no! Just, it's, sorry, it's not man. just fascists that are judgmental. I think humans in general are judgmental. It's just are they judgments that we agree with or not? And from your perspective, you know, I'm judgmental, but my, but you like my judgments, presumably. Yeah, well, so except for when you're all judgmental. <laughs> so here's where the issue lies for me, right? Is sure everybody can be judgmental. It is what you do with those judgments that matters. Yeah. And yep. fascism yep. at its heart takes those judgments and then uses them to persecute and oppress, right? And and specifically uh vulnerable populations. So that's the big difference to me. Yeah, sure. Anybody can be I'm well, judgmental as hell, but uh, I'm but, not going to 
randomly, well, not randomly, selectively choose groups that I'm going to specifically ostracize and often uh, physically intimidate and punish uh, because of those judgments. Yeah, often, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, and Matthias is a good stand-in for this, right? Because one of the things that we often see in the real world is uh, people have these hatreds until they are confronted with something different, something that forces them to re-examine those hatreds, right? Uh, you see that all the time in the Republican Party where up until a certain point, people are like, no, you can't do stem cell research that's completely immoral. Oh, wait, this might actually save my husband's life uh, or significantly improve their quality of life. Maybe we should look at stem cell research. Also, uh, stem cell research clarification literally doesn't come from killing babies like people come yes. fuck down. Also, the whole argument that we shouldn't use stem cells because it harms embryos is false and it is also just sort of another way to put down poor people because only poor people need to worry about things about abortions, whereas things like IVF and artificial fertilization kill more embryos than things like abortions, and people are fine with artificial fertilization because no, uh, they're rich. No, there's a lot of people who actually aren't, but that's another argument. Well, no. yes, but, but there isn't a big public showdown to shut down artificial fertilization it is to shut down abortion abortion until they until they succeed and then they'll go for the next step well yes but the problem is that they target the poor first that's that's the uh train of thought here but yeah no uh stem cell research so good <laughs> um well so uh, not to get like entirely off topic, but like we're already talking about Matthias and we've brought up his, his thing with Nina. So like, oh, and we've already kind of talked about this a little bit too, but like, mm -hmm. how do we really feel about Nina and Matthias now? Because I mean, obviously the first half of the book, it's like, what the, how, even why? But then you learn obviously quite a bit more about their history together and, um, yeah, it's the Blue Lagoon relationship. They're the only two people there, so right. they fall for each other. Would they fall for each other under different circumstances if they were in a room with 100 choices? Probably not. To be honest, if they were like 30 or 40, they probably wouldn't have fallen for <laughs> each honest, other. To be honest, literally just this group without that previous knowing each other, I still don't think they would. But no, <laughs> this part made me be like, all right, I get it. I don't understand it or support it, but your decision is not as bad as I thought it was. He kind of saved <laughs> your life and is an asshole through it. A completely growth and possibility. Yeah, I mean, still think she's got terrible taste, but at least I understand her taste. Yes, yeah, the people with the Sansa and Sandor shippers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. This is the relationship they wanted. Uh, at least it's not the Littlefinger Sansa shippers. Yeah. Are there some? Yes. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yes. That's a terrifying Many. place of the internet. Do not go there. 
I thought to yeah, go no, I, I, I definitely think different. a lot of it is like you said, like the Blue Lagoon thing. It's just the two of them. I, I think I, again, if they were, I, I think that also we have to specify like the ages. I, even if they were, sorry, even if they were just the two of them alone, I, I don't necessarily think they would have felt their or, or fallen, quote unquote, for each other the way they did if they were older. But they're young, and neither one of them has known, you know, had known much outside of, like, you know, Nina hadn't really known much outside of what she saw at uh, the little palace and at the orphanage when they were there while the war was going on with uh Alina and the Darkling and and Matthias you know he he saw terrible things you know with his, losing his family but then he went and joined the Jaskala and uh, he hasn't like really he hasn't done anything he hadn't done anything beyond that like that's he, he saw the bad thing and then he went and joined the quote-unquote army I'm using quote-unquote a lot because I, I I'm using actual air quotes but like if when this is a podcast do that no, no, he did not join the army. That would be like joining the Wehrmacht. He joined the Turn Waffen SS. Huh? He joined the SS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are like the hardcore of the hardcore, yeah. as opposed to the Wehrmacht, which are the poor saps who just got drafted into the army. Yes. Yeah, I think the funniest thing to me is that the whole time this is happening, I was just like, Sweetie, no. Sweetie, stop it. <laughs> no. And Nina, but it also, like, literally, it makes perfect sense because, first of all, they're teenagers. Second of all, they have hormones. Third of all, genders up other warm human. Ah! Other warm human. And then also just the whole, um, you know hate and any sort of intense emotion can easily be warped into weird emotional attachments that can be misconstrued as love. Okay, I, I, I was watching this like they Stockholm syndromed themselves to each other and I'm like, all right. Well, well done. Not, not well done, but uh, certainly done. It makes sense. <laughs> I still didn't like it. Nope. Me at Matthias. It made sense. I still didn't like it. Um. All right. So here's the big one. What uh? What plot twists were you surprised by? Or on the other hand, what plot twists do you, did you actually see coming? My big ones. Did not expect the river to be part of the plan. Did not fucking expect that tank. Like, what? In all of my wildest imaginations of how they were going to get out of there, I never thought steal a tank was going to be on the list. And drown yourself with breathing underwater pills and get swept away by a river and hope you conveniently wash up in a good place to be picked up by said tank. I was just watching that happen and I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I feel like it's yeah. so difficult for me to actually like talk about this book because so much of this book was just me screaming into a hype cannon of being like, Heist! when they, I actually, I went and looked up how old Lee Badaga was, which, because I was figuring, okay, she has these ideas for the pills that allow you to breathe oxygen. Did she watch Marine Boy as a kid? 
which would have been a little a few more years earlier than I than she was her her childhood, but maybe she saw it on tape or something and got that idea because that's the only time I've ever thought of something like that was from Marine Boy and, and or ever heard of it. So that was just something I my nerdy brain went back to my youth. <laughs> I'm trying to think there's, I mean, it, to me, it just, it, it reminded me of like the Harry Potter, you know, the, the gills, gillyweed. Um, gillyweed. Yes. But, so, so yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely brought a little bit of something back there. <laughs> but again, but really like all fiction or yeah, pretty much all fiction is, is derivative from something, you know, or some things, many things, whatever. So um, I, I, I think like, I didn't necessarily put it together the first time, but the second time, I, you know, this time around reading the bit about, cause they, they mentioned the, that stuff like earlier on and it's like, how did I not put together that they're like giving everybody the, you know, the stuff that makes you be able to essentially like breathe underwater. Like, how did I not? you know, put two and two together that they were clearly going to use some sort of like waterway to escape from. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that I really noticed this time was the flip-flop with Kaz and, or, wow, sorry, with Kuei and Wyland when it happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. Before I remember being like, Whoa! and this time I was like, oh shit, this is what it happened. She wrote it in, see? See how he's not talking? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I was real excited by that. Also, God, that was just such a fucking Nina Power move. Just full on being like, bitch, I'm a tailor now. I can do it all. Cordina, I just want to squish her cheeks and give her waffles and an appetite back. I just want her to be okay. Oh, I want waffles now. I mean, that too. I mean, I don't actively want waffles because I, I did just finish eating like three seconds ago on this webcast. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, we literally watched you do it. It was really great. <laughs> I hope, hope y'all didn't receive cheering noises. And if you did, uh, oops, too late. But um, <laughs> I do spiritually want waffles because I think I always spiritually want waffles. I haven't had waffles or pancakes since in a year. Damn. I had... I had pancakes like a month ago and it was the first time I had pancakes in like four years or so. And it was a religious experience. I definitely recommend it. Jonathan, you should treat yourself to some pancakes and or waffles and or both. It You deserve it. I also find it funny that they, uh, that, that Ketterdam is all about the waffles because Amsterdam, which is what it's very obviously based on is all about mm -hmm. pancakes. No. Is it Amsterdam or Rotterdam? Oh, I have actually never been to Amsterdam. I just assumed, I assumed, or sorry, to Rotterdam. I assumed it was Amsterdam because of like the whole like Red Lake District parallels and the, it's waffles in the book, but it's, you know, in Amsterdam. Yeah, Rotterdam was more the port, the big industrial port city. So I don't know. I, I, I figured I mean, it was Holland somewhere, but I just. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would assume it was Amsterdam just because most people know of Amsterdam <laughs> yeah, yeah. versus like specific industrial ports of Holland knowledge <laughs> that John just seems to be very savvy in. Nice. <laughs> Mostly because I have never heard of Rot Rotterdam. So I just was like, Ketterdam, Amsterdam, cool, cool. Where's the weed? There is no weed. I am disappointed. Where's there no weed? 
what the fuck? Why, 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 why is the weed always gone? It's me, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, other than, other than, all right. So other, other, any, any other plot twists that we were, I don't know, surprised by now. I mean, to be honest, like reading this the second time is a little bit hard to remember what I might not have been surprised by the first time, especially since I read this a few years ago originally. Uh, but I, I also, I, I mean, even this time around, it's like I, some things like the, the, I don't remember what it's called, gillyweed type stuff. Like it's like, how didn't I see that coming? But a lot of it, I still, you know. It, it, it's all kind of, it, in a way, like a lot of it is nonsensical, like, and and clearly not even like Kaz had necessarily planned it. it, it a lot of it just seems to conveniently work out. Um, it convenience or did he just control the universe? But, um, like yeah, I, I I mean, well, I mean, Nina Nina dropping some Yurta was was kind of like. I think I think uh, that was e a little bit easier to see coming. Like I might, to be honest, that might have been the one thing I actually wasn't all that surprised by the first time around because I, the, the way they pushed it and and the, the the things it could do it was like, how could they possibly make it out of here without her? Yeah, eventually you learn like that Je eventually you learn that Jesper is also Grisha, but uh, in I mean, really, like that's such a last minute thing that you know for the longest time you think like, how can they make it out of there without her, you know, falling prey to this? So, although I did this time, like when I was reading it, the Jesper being Grisha just makes so much more sense because like he's a really good shot. Like, why are you so good at that? Like, stop. This doesn't make sense. Stop it. But they well, they explain that in the next book, though, and then you can be and you. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> well, but no, I I know exactly. You don't have to be a Grisha to be a good ship marksman. <laughs> no, you no, you don't have to be. But I I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely things about Jesper that they were like there were tiny hints, I guess. But I I, I honestly think that it was hidden pretty darn well. Um, it was hidden well. Almost but too well. It, it was hidden well, but it didn't feel like it wasn't planned. That's what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. like it, it's one of those things that, like, sometimes, like, you get twists that come up and you're just like, what, where the fuck did that come from? Or sometimes you get twists that come up that are like, well, duh, that was going to happen the whole time. We knew that was coming. And then sometimes you get twists that come up that were like this and you were like, huh. And it isn't until you actually reread it that you're like, okay, no, wait, there was, it was there. It really was there. Because I didn't need, because the first time it, like, completely blindsided me and I was like, what? Also, yeah, no, the Nina thing, though, like, absolutely saw that coming the first time around, because, especially because of how much they emphasize that, like, heart renders are the most powerful on Param, and then it was like, huh, look how they conveniently have the most dangerous type on the drug with them while they're going to do drug-related business. Uh, wonder, wonder what's going to happen Drug-related business. <laughs> do you have any drug-related business to take care of, folks? <laughs> Um, I think the other thing that I really liked was, um, well, I sort of hinted on this last time and that my favorite chapters of the section and that's the Enedge chapter with the climb 
just like rereading it i just remember reading it the first time and like literally holding my heart in my hands during that whole chapter yeah yeah and i mean especially you know they, they find out that the incinerator was lit like like more recently than they thought and yeah and like and like her shoes like melting as she's climbing like like literally it was like the best like so like place of like reading anxiety for your characters but also just short enough that i don't freak out too much but like just long enough that i'm like did i miss where they were able to keep their shoes uh no so so they um uh i can't remember exactly who it was it was i don't think it was jesper it was jesper why oh, it was why oh, they went and recovered the shoes no, they didn't even go to recover them. They were they were in the laundry room because like they oh, right. they were okay. in they were the laundry or the laundry was in the incinerator room because they burn everybody's crap that they wear or bring in with them. Um, so Wylan, I mean, and that was definitely you know plot convenience that Wylan found in Edge's shoes, but like also wasn't really because if the incinerator hadn't been lit as recently as it had been, she wouldn't have really she wouldn't have needed she wasn't planning on having them, she wouldn't have needed them anyway. So it was really just kind of like building that extra, you know, the incinerator being lit, but like obviously she can't climb that without some sort of shoes, and her shoes are better than. You well, know, not if they're of, not if they're made of rubber and they're melting. Well, yeah, Leather that would have been a better a move there to me because they were rubber, right? And they were yeah, they were rubber. Yeah. But like maybe maybe it's I think the point is that her shoes like there's something about like the soles of her shoes. Yeah, no, they no, were, they were climbing shoes. That's what that. Yeah. I imagine I imagine those toe shoes. I like it's cursed and I hate it, but I can't. Oh get God, them those shoes. Have you ever worn climbing shoes? If anyone no. rock climbed, oh, no, yeah. no. Not like I mean, I've, I've worn like Vibrams, which is what I picture her climbing shoes being. The, yeah, the, so, the, so, that's the, what Nami was talking about. The, so, like, actual shoes. climbing shoes that people rock climb in are there, there's almost no, there's a lot of flexibility to them. Yeah, that's what Vibrams are. So, it's probably kind of. They force your toes together so that they're the most uncomfortable oh, thing to known okay. to man so that your toes are stronger because you have like three toes on top of each other. They're awful, but they work. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I have to go rock climbing between now and uh, the next the next webcast so that I can talk about <laughs> my rock climbing shoe feelings. I love that one of us has this experience though. <laughs> Yeah, I actually like it doing it. I've only done it in indoor gyms, but it's quite fun. Yeah, no, I've been rock climbing, but I haven't used any fancy special shoes for it. I just, you know, go forth with uh, determination <laughs> and improper footwear. Determination is really all you need for rock climbing. Yeah. Improper footwear doesn't help, but if you got determination, you could probably do it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, now I'm just thinking about how much I love you, Nedge. Do you ever like sometimes not think about how much you love you, Nedge, and then you remember how much you love you, Nedge, and you're just like, "Wow, <laughs> she's wonderful." She I just want to, I just want to pinch her cheeks and keep her safe and stab Tante Lean 
for her. Who gives her PTSD. Yeah, and then protect her because she's my daughter and I love her. Am I old enough to be her mother? No, but it's fine. It's fine. I can still adopt her. She needs a mom. So do all of them. This is fine. <laughs> Who let these children plan a heist? They have a bedtime. Not in this world. <laughs> they aren't really even children in this world. Like, I, I, there's comments about how young they are randomly, but like, if it weren't for those random comments by like, let's be real, old people like uh, Jan Van Eck, Wyland's father, like, you forget how young they really are. Um, but also that it, that is kind of the type of people this world and inherently particularly Ketterdom breeds. So. Well, does anyone live past 30 in this world? <laughs> I mean, they merchants. do have magic feelings. So. I mean, rich I mean, rich merchants. There are uh, a few, but it seems like a, you know. Pekka Rollins. And what's the guy who runs the, uh, oh my gosh, the, the guy who runs the dregs. I can't remember. Yeah, but how old name. is Pekka Rollins? Is he even old? Or is he just like 35? I, 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 think, I think from Kaz's descriptions of him that he's like in his 40s is what I would guess. Uh, yeah. But I, that Honestly, could be wrong. I, we, I guess we don't know. I, I, I'm i sure that I mean, there he's is. he's older. We know he's older, but I never got a, I don't think they ever mentioned how that he looked No, they never old. mentioned explicit ages for the older people. I think they pretty much specify that Vanek is old enough that his uh, new wife's age is disturbing. Um. Yeah, but okay, but that, that could be that could be a fifteen year age gap. I mean, Van Eck has a Wyland's what sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, somewhere in there. I don't know if they've given his age or not. I think he's like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, he's okay. So Van Eck could be Van Eck in this world could be realistically be as young as 35, 34. Well, I, I he could, but the way they describe him, he's a and, little older. And, yeah, and, so yeah, and, and the way. Um, the way they the way they, the the way they describe him the way they describe because Alice is older than Wyland not by much but by like a few years he's like and, nineteen or twenty yeah and and I like I would guess he's at least twice her age so he's not he might not be super old but like also the way they describe him like that he's like. I think they say he's got like receding, like graying hair and everything. Like maybe I'm thinking of like dudes I know now, but like I know dudes who are 50 who don't look like that. So right, exactly. And I and one of my best friends from college was completely gray at the age of 19. Oh, my dad was bald at like 28. <laughs> this guy had a full head of hair. It was just gray at 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he still has a, ironically, he still has a head, full head of hair, and it looks exactly the same. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, 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 obviously we're not meant to believe that people in this world, except for Bagra and the Darkling, live as long as they might in our world currently. But I, I think I that um, truly didn't see anything to say though that like unless people were very poor that they were dying young from disease and stuff. Because mm -hmm. when you think about it logically, the reason we live the way we live the to the ages that we live now is because we have access to reasonable medicine and stuff like that. And we're not just, you know, dying of 30 of dysentery or whatever it yeah. happens to be or dying in childbirth. But the fact but it, that they have, you know, Grisha healers leads me to believe yeah. that the lifetime in 
these novels are likely closer to normal people than we expect, but also since so many of the people that we see the characters are, you know, characters in the army, characters actively in a war, characters who are very, very poor. I suspect that these are people who are, you know, barely making it mid twenties anyway. And, and, real, and realistically, if you go back to history, even prior to antibiotics, it was childbirth and dying before in infancy that skewed the results. People were living to 70, 80 since the 15, 16, 1700s. Yeah. I mean, looking at our founding fathers, a lot of them lived yeah. to... I mean, in the end, like, I don't think anybody's ages really matter that much. I, I And I do think that... Um, Just for the yuck factor. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And well, and that's why I do think that Jan Vanak is, is older than, like, 35. Like, I, I, I have to yeah, imagine he probably... Like 50s or 60s. Yeah, I, I would say at least 50s. Because, I yeah, because, like, they... they yuck factor well and also it's kind of funny that there's a there's kind of a yuck factor when they talk about uh wyland's dad and alice and like even saying she's like 20 and he's like 45 or 50 let's say 50 and like nobody has a problem with the darkling and alina though well remember tara <laughs> he looked young ugly and, and I mean, maybe not ugly but yeah he's he's not he's not super hot He's but not super hot. It's okay. Darkling, but the Darkling looks young and people don't know he's old, right? Oh, no. They know he's old. They don't know he's as old as he is. I mean, but he's still solidly like an adult. Yeah. Like, they, 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 I, I, I don't Not the think... way he was cast in the in the show that they're coming No, but they. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they describe in the actual book that like the Darkling is like, it, but like he looks like he's in his late 20s or 30s yeah but they like but they never, do know they do know that he is like or rather sorry he 100 years old or something they, they no, know no, no, that no. he i thought they, they don't knew that he was 100 old, just no. not like 120 100. is like what he tells alina but they still okay. do know that he's like his public age is like somewhere in the 30s i believe his public age is like 25, 30. Because also think about it. Like he can't just show up and be like, hey, I'm a kid, give me all this power. No way the king would have sat down with that. So he was probably presenting as an older-ish. Not, not 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 a young teenager gentleman for a while, just because it's easier to hold power versus an old king in situations like that. And also they say that he physically looked like he's, you know, like 18, 20, somewhere around there. but I do think there was a point where they say that he's like somewhere 30-ish. I don't know why I'm so stuck on 30 for his age, for his fake age. For his first fake age, sorry. He has multiple fake ages. My bad, really can't keep track with this man's bullshit. Just covered in it. <laughs> um, well, so uh, other, other than, <laughs> Anyway, uh, the, the last like discussion question I wanted to get to before we go over some like quotes was um, I, I did find this this online, but uh, Kaz's last line in, his, in, in a POV chapter of his is I'm going to get my money and I'm going to get my girl. Um, and, and the way this question was worded online was, did this feel like a natural culmination of his slash there as in his, the relationship between him, him and Enid's growth over the course of the narrative? Um, 
it's not a stretch to say that their relationship transformed throughout this story, but did this last line feel in character for Kaz or did it feel forced? I think, so I think for me, there's one very important distinction here. It's that this line was like said in his head in his own personal narrative versus him saying it out loud. I think if he had said this out loud, like no fucking way, absolutely not, not in character at all. But I think he's always been like, you know, mentally possessive of an edge in his POVs anyway. And like, he doesn't, you know, acknowledge his emotional connection to her or anything like that. But I think him being possessive enough to be like, this is like, she's my girl. Like she is, she's a girl. She is mine. I think he's probably an idiot who doesn't realize that this is a very romantic thing to mentally say to himself. But like he. Uh, I get the impression it's more of a sister. He at least initially he thinks it's more of a brother sister relationship. I don't think he ever sees brother sister. I think he just sees resource Loki. Honestly, I think he sees resource. And then I think he sees confidant and trusted person. And because especially when you think about Kaz, I would have to say the specific reason I don't see brother sister is because he does have a brother and he does have such a, and like, so like, you know, he obviously does have like that sibling thing with somebody and like granted brother's not around, but like that, and I don't know. I never, as somebody who has a sibling and never read his sibling energy, like even when he was deluding himself, cause you can delude yourself into sibling energy, but like it didn't, it didn't read that. Like I'd say sibling energy would be Jesper and Kaz or anything. Cause they, they read like brothers, except Jesper's an idiot who's pining. Oh, Jesper, stop pining child. But yeah, no, I, if I he had this line out loud, I would have rioted. But the fact that it was in his head and he was like, yeah, we're going to, like, she's mine. Going to get her back. I was like, yeah, 99% idiot doesn't realize he's in love. But uh, yes. I agree with everything you said. I don't like the wording, even if it yes. isn't you said. Yeah, the yeah. the possession yeah. thing, my girl. And when I don't really think that it's I don't really think it's meant as a possessive thing on Kaz's part, yeah. but it's just not in his character either for him yeah. to word it like that. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Like like I, I I mean and and even after this, you know, um in in, in the next book, like it, it it becomes very clear. I I, I almost feel like and I could be wrong about this, but like if I was Lee Bardugo, I would regret writing that line that way. Um, sorry. sorry, say that again. If I would, I, 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 I obviously don't know how she feels or whatever, but like if if I was Lee Bardugo, I would regret writing that line that way. I'm going to get my girl, like because I don't, I, I really like despite Enage's, you know, misgivings and stuff. Um, throughout this book and, and into the next, which we won't get into. I, I don't think Kaz feels like any sort of possessiveness over her. Um, and, but also it, it just feels like, it feels like this line was like pushed in there because like, Oh, well we gotta, we gotta add that little oomph of like some sort of weird romance thing. Like it's it just, it's just weird. It's not in character for him to, to say it yeah. that, that specific way. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think the sentiment is in character, but the phrasing is a bit lacking. Phrasing. phrasing, phrasing, yes. Yeah, no, especially because like- Are we like, not doing phrasing anymore? No, we're still doing phrasing. 
absolutely still i mean i'm still doing phrasing but let's be fair i don't think i'm a really good um judge on what we're still doing because i still use the xd smiley face and put um actions within the star like the shift eight stars and be like six head out of quarter like you know like 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 chat with people so like who knows is that not done anymore apparently not somebody told me i dated myself on the internet and i was like who are you and they were like i have a grown-up i'm 15 and i'm like sit down baby first of all how dare they (laughs) as a child ariel should be allowed to do what she wants me as an adult sit down child (laughs) exactly god um all right, so anything else to say about that specific line before we go on to a couple Yeah, no, of the more I think about it, it definitely sounds like something that they were like, we need an oomph line. This is our oomph line. And it's like, yeah. all right, well, technically yeah. in character, but uh, very specifically phrasing? Yeah, I mean, in character and that he does absolutely care about Inej, but again, like, I feel like the possess- the possession aspect of it is wrong, and I also, it just, and I was like, I'm going to get my girl. That's, that's not. No, it's not how he speaks. No, it's not. Money. I'm going to get my money. Yeah. I'm going to get my girl. No, it should have been something like, I'm going to get my money, and I'm going to, I don't know, literally, like, almost anything else, rescue my friend, like... Rescue my wraith. Yeah. Well, and and, maybe maybe not wraith, because that makes it seem like he thinks of her only as a... uh... Go ahead, Jonathan. Well, no, he he proves he's a great guy because he doesn't want to ghost his wraith. Wow. But maybe we should move on to quotes or something. <laughs> All right, I just um, further into my pillows as this happens. So I, I think this is something that I don't know if it's something I can't remember. If it's something Kaz specifically says to Inej, or if it's something that Inej just comes up with because of the way Kaz is with her. But um, the idea that better terrible truths than kind lies. Um, I, th- I mean, that's a little rough, let's be real. This, But also, this is a fantasy world, and it's a very hard fantasy world, uh, Ketterdam especially. Um, so, yeah, uh, any, any thoughts on terrible truths? Because I, I think there are a way to there there are ways to tell the truth without being like nasty and terrible about it um but also uh you can be as nice as possible but the truth is still possibly going to hurt people um and would you rather that they that you know would you rather that somebody lie to you than tell you something you don't want to hear no matter how nicely they do it yeah and also like the whole like white lies thing and i think there's like a level of white lie that's like definitely like an acceptable white lie and then there's levels of white lies where you're hiding like actual harm and that's like and it's just oof this yeah i i'm somewhere in between how about why can't we my my response to this quote yes but can't we just have nice things (laughs) can't we just have kind truths just just kind truths please Kind, kind truths, please. I would just, I would just like some. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Not always possible. 
Oh, absolutely not. The world is a flaming dumpster fire. Um, all right. So any, any other thoughts on terrible truths versus kind lies? I, 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 it's not, it's, I don't think it's something we need to discuss a lot. I think it's just a, it's an interesting quote that says a lot about, you know, this world and like our little group of friends, particularly Kaz and Inej, you know, so, um, but, uh, the next part, uh, is, (laughs) Matthias and you know, uh, you've seen what your parent can do, what Grisha can do in its grip. A gun is not evil, nor a blade. Your parent ensures obedience. It makes Grisha what they were. It makes Grisha what they were always meant to be. A second army, Matthias asked, his, vo- his voice thick with scorn. An army is made of soldiers. These creatures were born to be weapons. They were born to serve the soldiers of Gel. So it's, it's Matthias and. Um, Jarl Broom, uh, yeah. and and I, this is it, it, it. I you know before this, Matthias was already questioning. You know, obviously everything about what he learned and done, but um, this is this is very much like it's 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 very much that like guns don't kill people, people kill people. You know, yep. thought process that is not incorrect, but also dangerous in a way. So. Right. Uh, so yeah, and, 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 and the idea, the idea of them, the idea of them, you know, them being literally used as human weapons, uh, slaves, you know, is, is yeah. I think this quote like rubs me the wrong way on so many levels, and I think the very first level is like that, you know, the guns don't kill people, people kill people, and it's like, eh, but guns make it easier. But then it, also the level of you know, in a fantasy world, just because people are born with abilities doesn't make them like um which calls it wow doesn't make them automatically a weapon and like that whole idea is just like absurd to me and i just i hate all of it all of it makes me angry and grumpy and sad and i can't accurately express with my with my human words what what but- i mean but it's just like the idea that like you consider a person a weapon. I'm just like Meh. distress noises. <laughs> that was that was really helpful. I'm really good at words today, guys. It's been a day. It's been yeah, you know, it's been like a month. It's been a year. Year, yeah. <laughs> it's been a fucking year. We're not all good with words these days. Um. <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I kept coming, like reading this quote. I really kept coming back to the whole idea of like guns don't kill people; people kill people. But in this case, they're literally saying that the people are the weapons, the guns, and they're using them to kill other people. So yeah, and I think the other thing that, like, you know, like the Jurda ensures obedience, and like, I just it's oh, not obedience; it's slavery. There's a difference, exactly, and it's like. And it's like, in a way, though, like, is it like ensuring, ensuring obedience is just co- like code for slavery. It's slavery mm-hmm. with icing on it and a smiley face to be like, it's, 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 it's slavery via drugs instead of via fear. Exactly. And it's like, it's just like, it's so, <sighs> there are so many things wrong with this 
like route of thinking that I can't even begin to parse where I start to get angry because the whole thing just makes me angry. And I just wish, I wish to take Jarl, Jarl Blum, Blum and like shake him a lot. Jarl, whatever the like, fuck his name is, nobody cares. He's the worst. I, I wish, I wish to take Nazi leader McDickface, shake him <laughs> aggressively, kick him in the dick, and then put him in a prison forever. But, you know, stepping back, is that much different than what the upper classes of history have always treated the lower classes of as just their cannon fodder? I mean, no, but... <laughs> so how different is this? Well, um, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's different. Like, it yeah. is exactly the same thing. Still hate it there. Uh, I know, but I just, oh, I just. I, I mean, I see you trying to be like analysis and deep, and I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I'm mad. Still no. Well, I, mean, I just look at it as yes, it's terrible, but is it any more terrible than lots of these different generals of fantasy novels that have thrown their cannon fire to the to the wolves that we've cheered for for thousands of books i don't know well, i i think that, well i mean do you really <laughs> cheer like for them i mean i don't really i don't really cheer for you cheered for rob right no i did not cheer for rob i really? sat rob down and was like idiot child do you see how many people you're murdering i but i guess yeah, i'm man, also, like just give it up like just, yeah, just I am settle down in the north and deal with your life um yeah i'm also I, really I, much like an anti-war person in real life the same. so the well, idea that makes, of caring for yes, that makes and that makes perfect sense yeah well jonathan like all these dots are connecting about your personality right now i get it <laughs> like, to me, the idea of cheering for even a good character that leads characters in a war i'm like hey do you see how wasteful this is maybe let's not waste human lives on uh the conflicts of the rich uh well i mean and even even setting like that aside like um granted not that you know the the like essential essentially like serfs in like song of ice and fire or in the in real world had much of a chance like they had to they had to come up and fight or else they would be you know i mean they were constricted and if they ran away they were deserters essentially um and that we've had that happen in this country too uh in very modern times which is disgusting but um you know like like in in this sense uh I, I, there's the, the, the idea of them literally drugging these people into submission adds that extra oomph to it because, um, while it's wrong either way, uh, the, the, these, you know, these Grisha, like, again, once they get this drug, it is like, I mean, it's hair, it's literally, I, I would say it's like closest to heroin in terms of how addictive it is and how quickly it, becomes how quickly it becomes addictive how much it ruins that life and how they will do literally anything they 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 forget who they are as a person like here's another movie reference have you ever seen train spotting yes because that movie is fucked up yes it is and not like, a redeeming character in it no no and 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 you know like but so imagine if those people were doing the things that they were doing because they were forced to you know like it, it's it's just um it yeah it, it's very it's it's very dark honestly like like not that there wasn't that, that, that there weren't dark moments in in this book 
otherwise or in the original trilogy but like the the you're in a param thing it is it is very dark not and again not, also not just what you know the theurdans want to use it for the whole idea of it is because because the, the especially because we have never once before nina uh seen agrisha take it by choice so mm -hmm. uh we've only seen grisha like in prison being having it forced on them or as it's you know as as indentured servants aka slaves in Keterim having it enforced you know forced on them so it, it it's it, it's a very very you know dark thing to force someone into an addiction like that like addiction is is bad enough on its own um you know we see it with Jesper where somebody is prone to it um but it you know like I mean, with Nina, yeah. and we we see we see it we see it like firsthand. Like this is a character that never would have done this by choice. I mean, and and I think it kind of it just cements the fact, you know, that all these other Grisha wouldn't have done it by choice either. It, um, it really cements the sacrifice that she makes. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like because like you think about it and you're like, damn, like Nina, that's so awesome. Like you really care about your friends, but then you think about it and you're like, damn, because it really was the ultimate sacrifice to her because it literally was voluntarily shooting herself up with heroin. Like that's what it was. It was shooting herself up for heroin to save her friends. Not no, that. Uh, well, I, I would even, I say it's a step further it's, from the description. It's far worse than heroin. Yeah. But I mean, I mean heroin is highly addictive, but if you shoot up once the odds of you being hooked forever are not, that high assuming you get proper treatment the others the way this was described it's like it's a once and you're just never again i should also clarify that i'm very scared of drugs especially heroin and to me it's one and done and that well, is well you're looking at someone who's never had any drugs other than aspirin basically so <laughs> i've no, never I... had an illegal substance or even <laughs> or even legal substances to excess so yeah no, Loki. Me looking at heroin facts. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. One and done. I think I don't know. Heroin bad. I'm so good at words. <laughs> but yeah, no, I um. Oh my god, like the whole uh, like just like the different levels of like how like the your uh, Perem literally brings together like the slavery and that the aspect of the story and then the addiction aspect of the story it's like bam mm -hmm. have super addiction slavery and yeah point, it is it is a good it is definitely like, there's a lot of good parallels there yeah. to like how jesper is and whatever oh, yeah. um which you know i can't wait i, can't, I really can't wait you know to get into crooked kingdom next month um i'm so excited for so, so many things and so just many so many, yeah, so many things are about to happen and I'm hype. But also, yeah, no, it's sometimes I think about the emotional trauma that Gerda Perem put me through, and I'm like, why would you do this? Please, please put this away. I don't do not want refund. Well, and speaking of trauma, uh <laughs> and, and, and we don't have to go into depth on this because we've already talked about Matthias quite a bit, but 
his his line the life you live the hate you feel it's poison i can drink it no longer um that honestly that line was what it's like yes he's still not you know he's still very problematic um he's not even a problematic fave he's not a fave he's problematic but that moment where somebody who has been indoctrinated the way he has been can you know, just look at something and say, this is poison and I refuse, I refuse is, um, it is, it is still, there's still a lot of, you know, change and growth that needs to happen. But I, I, I just, I like that line and I, I, I like everything that it stands for. Yeah, it does. But it, it, it still to me was more of a, I was a soldier. I was a good soldier. There are rules to war, and you just cross them. How is how I viewed him on that? That he's that, that it, you know you reach to, it, to, to the point where now they want us to become war criminals, and that makes us worse than them. Even you know because when you're fighting, you know that's how I viewed that line. That he he didn't want to cross into being. A war criminal. Damn it! I was like three seconds away from being like, I like this line. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like point three percent less suckage for Matthias. But nope, nope. I'm back to it. You're you're well, right. I, <laughs> I guess I I guess I mis I misinterpreted that because I I actually I actually thought that I didn't really think that was the moment he came to that decision. Like I never actually. I know that he had moments where he was angry with Nina and, and everything, but I never actually thought he was going to allow Jarl Broom to, you know. I truly to, didn't to, know. I, I, I didn't. I really didn't. I, well, okay. Um, the first time I read this, I might have. But like the second time I read this, there were so many. I think there were so many signs that. Yeah, I mean, there no, was, I've only read it. The, just, I've only read it the once, so that's just how I read it. It's yeah, like, okay, yeah. I, like, I, okay, now we're. I, I think there were a lot of signs. Um, if you ask me, like, and this is again my opinion, but I think there were a lot of signs that he wouldn't. He wasn't just going to. You know, give her over to y'all, Brum. Um, I think no I just had, who he was to him. I think and, I just had so much fear for Nina and so much doubt of Matthias that I couldn't even read that subtext in the text if it was there. AKA, if you saw it, I'm pretty sure it was there, but I personally could not. Yeah, I, miss, I missed it. <laughs> Again, Jonathan, though, it's all—it's also your first read. And the first read, I was sitting there fucking terrified, convinced that he was going to shoot Nina and be like, all right, we done. Bye, witch. And second read, I was still terrified for her because I still, you know, I well, don't know if you guys have noticed, but I do not trust Matthias. And I do not <laughs> like him. Yeah, and, and I keep waiting for, you know, maybe I shouldn't be because it's young adult and maybe some of these young adult novels are are more adult than others but i well i i kept ex expecting at least one of the protagonists to be killed and what we do end with the one of the protagonists being almost killed, killed. almost killed right and Wait, then one shot that's another like another one is captured at the end yep. but right. also this is a duology so... i know but, yeah but i mean as i said there, there are plenty of books where characters get killed along the way so i 
thought, oh, it's very possible that Nina's the sacrifice and he's the betrayer, and that becomes a plot line going forward. So, and then I, I decided that Jonathan just knows too much about fantasy lore and writing tropes. Just <laughs> he really does. <laughs> He just knows all the thing and sees all of it. He's like, "Oh wait, this is YA. Never mind." <laughs> well, and also we're like, like, well, like no, Nami, hundred, Nami is like angry youth, and I'm angry like nearly middle aged person. And Nick is over here just trying to be kind. And Jonathan's <laughs> like, well, "What about the analytical side?" <laughs> and and Nami's like, "But consider rage." <laughs> Like the Hunger Games had, and granted, it was the third book where it happened, but like Finnick Adair got killed. I mean, people died I mean, in that. Finnick did die, didn't he? Oh, he did. Oh, he did. <laughs> he got eaten by those animals. Um, no. Yeah. And he left his pregnant wife behind because plot. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> or because Kara, Kara, what, 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 he, he was, I mean, he was. Fridge, but like not in like the usually you only use fridge in in, in a you only use the term fridge when it's like yeah I mean so there, there were there characters, characters that were I considered protagonists that did die in that series so <laughs> I expected it could happen in this one too. <laughs> Jonathan was just waiting for a murder and he was not given a murder. And we still have a whole other book. You might get some murders. I might. Yeah, well, and and, and on top of that, like let but it's also okay. like you know, let's understand in the Grishaverse, like characters died, but none of them were like it wasn't it wasn't Alina, it wasn't um Mal, it wasn't uh they've had main character armor. Zoya, it wasn't yeah, it I mean, wasn't even else? Tomar or or what's or yeah, Tomar, Talia, Talia. Um, all right, so last but not least, quote-wise, and this kind of also harkens back to, it's another fucking Matthias quote. I don't even know why. I don't even know why. Like, But he has the best lines in this He has book. good lines, but I still want to stab him. Yeah, no, yeah, we can still hate him. Yeah. Uh, they, they fear you as I once feared you, as you once feared me. We are all someone's monster, Nina. Oh, we're all someone was actively committed a lot of murder. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously, like Matthias, actual kind of monster. Um, but but yeah, yeah and, and, and but again, like and and here's the thing. Again, this goes into that doctrination thing that you know the um, the Grisha are are the Fjordans monsters and. Because yes, sometimes they have done things that were bad, I guess. Like we don't know why they murdered Matthias's I can't remember if it was just his family or his whole village or if it was or if that whole thing might have been staged and with somebody else. All we know is that it, Oh, who cares? Yeah, it, I mean big mood. It's, it's war, man, you know, but like but I mean in it I I like this quote because like in real life it's actually true. Like you could be the nicest effing person in the world and like you still are probably gonna break someone's heart someday. Like uh, you're yeah, still gonna see. hurt somebody someday. You're still gonna be like you're you're gonna be that person who you know, ended uh, what you thought was lifetime best friendship in high school because the other person wasn't cool enough and you become that ex-friend's monster, or you're going yeah. to be the bully who bullies 
you know, somebody and you're that person's monster or you're going to be. I try not to actively think about it because it causes me a lot of distress because I was very mean. I know. We've talked about that. You were the the bully? Yeah, no, I was a bully. Well, see, I was in a weird place of being the bully, but also being bullied by separate groups of people, but also being an oblivious idiot who neither realized she was being bullied or also realized that she was doing the bullying. And I just existed in a weird bubble of, ah! and then me five years later being like, oh shit, you said some real fucked up shit. And then me two years after that being like, oh shit, they said some real fucked up shit to you. And then me another two years after that being like, trauma? Is this you? And yeah, that's my summary. Yeah, of my that you? <laughs> Wasn't that a great summary? It was. We t- you took us on a whole journey. There uh, was a big I journey there. It's okay. We're healing and not being mean to people now. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag we love growth in this house. Now, now yeah. did you ever befriend your bullies? Um, I thought they were my friends because I was an idiot. Oh, no, so so my my bullies I didn't like at all and knew they were the enemy. Um, and then when Facebook first came out, this is actually a sad story. So when Facebook first no. came out, one of the first people who friended me was one of my bullies, and I was like, "What the hell would I accept his friendship for on Facebook? I hated him. He hated me. What the hell?" But I looked at his profile because I was curious, and he had all these interests like comics and Battlestar Galactica that I shared. So I was like, okay, it's 25, 20 years later. I'll bite. I'll reach out to him. And I said, Ernie, got your friend request. Thought that we have a lot in common. Were you always interested in this stuff? Or is this something you came to later in life? And he cut Zach and he goes, John, I owe you and your friends a huge apology. I was always into this stuff and was jealous of you guys, but I wanted to be cool and get girls and you were getting no girls. So I was with this other group and behaved like an ass. So we became friendly on Facebook and would chat all the time about Battlestar Galactica, which Dean would appreciate, uh, Tara. And then shortly thereafter, he got meningitis and died. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. That I said, this is like a hard, but people do change or people, people were often bullies because of their own lack of self-confidence, which I think is what I learned from that, that he was bullying us because of his own lack of self-esteem and trust that he could enjoy what he enjoyed because it didn't perceived, wasn't perceived to be cool. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And, you know, as somebody who has been there and done that, because a lot of most of my bullying was unfortunately, you know, directed at the openly gay people in my high school. And I realized that that was a lot of internalized homophobia there. But, you know, another thing is that. I had a friend like that. I don't expect them to forgive me. And if given the opportunity, I would offer my forgiveness, but they are entitled to hate me for the rest of their life. And that is absolutely fine. And I have, you know, previously received apologies from people like this who have bullied me for, you know, being a nerd and being brown. And I've been like, you know, acknowledge your apology, but like, I'm not going to forgive you because I... Well, and I think that's the thing. Me we can, we can always acknowledge somebody's apology. It's it's it is it is 
good character growth to acknowledge somebody's apology. Don't necessarily have to do it, but it is good character growth mm-hmm. to acknowledge to an extent, to an extent. There's like, listen, like if the guy who I was in a relationship with for a year who cheated on me 12 times apologized to me, I'd be like, ha, ha, fuck you. But, um, <laughs> but like there, there, there is, there is like, there is a level where like a- acknowledging somebody's apology is character growth on your part as well. Uh, but that does not mean that you have to accept like anything. You know what I mean? That doesn't have, that doesn't mean that you have to accept what they did to you and let go of it. It doesn't mean that you have to forgive. I really hate that whole like idea yeah. that like we all should forgive and forget Fuck that. No, yeah. because, I agree like, that. Absolutely. Like, because to be people. honest, if we all forgave and forgot, then like there would be a lot of shitty people in this world who never got any like comeuppance or learned anything. And um, like, granted, we don't exist to make sure that shitty people get their due, but we also don't exist to let shitty people walk all over you or even to let good people accidentally be bad to you. Like, and I think. I will say, Jonathan, I wish I had the ability to do that. Sometimes there are good people who I have pushed out of my life because they were previously bad to me and I cannot bear to deal with them anymore, even though we could be the best of friends. And I think it's amazing that you were able to find that forgiveness and do that. But I also think that that forgiveness is not required. I Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. Also, hilariously, Jonathan, this is really good timing because literally three days ago, I was thinking about like, you know, I should make a video addressing like cancel culture and why, you know, the Internet can turn something that's very good into something that can be perceived as bad because of just how things are presented and why cancel culture in its essence is actually really important for accountability, et cetera. But cancel culture as the internet and media makes it sound just has to. Um, I think it's the media. I think exactly. it's, it's absolutely the media. But yeah, it's not the real people. It's the media. Oh, well, sure. it's not. It's not just media. media and so, well, if you include social media as media, social media is media. That's the thing. Yeah. That's well, the thing. well, yes, but uh, um, again, when it like when people are going off on it about social media, it's often because they're sharing articles. Yeah. That and and not you know. Bad sources. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the social media um, backlash that you see against it is people that have read the media that is being against it and sort of regurgitating that without even realizing it. A thing that's very important to realize in the age of social media is that everything that we consume, even on social media, that are quote unquote original thoughts by people, are all colored by the media and the content that they consume. So in right. a way, everything is media just because we are yeah. what and we are what is advertised to us and we are constantly advertised to in this modern day and age and you know once again this is something that you know seems knee-jerk obvious to me as somebody who's grown up in social media but like trying to explain this to my dad is literally like talking to a brick wall and but like my dad don't even talk to me so so, so, so he's even he's even more clueless than i am Oh, absolutely. If I said the word <laughs> Jonathan, I said meme to him and he unironically said memes? Oh, memes. And I was like, memes. Oh, now I want them to be called memes. <laughs> I've always wanted that, honestly, because I've heard more where, than where, one person. Where does that expression come from, though? Memes. Memes. Actually, so um, I might know the history of this. I believe the word meme was actually a word that meant information 
in ah. like a very compact and uh, portable form. And because of that, the word sort of got you know, taken and used for what is now seen as our modern memes. Hilariously, the reason I know this is because the company I work at is Biomeme, and I was like, ha we're named after memes. And one of the CEOs was actually like, well, you know, it really does mean information. Like, you know, that's the historical use of the words, right? And I'm like, bitch, I didn't know, except I didn't say bitch because he's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> also, speaking of, like, you know, standards of what's acceptable, it's kind of funny because I work in a startup now. So, you know, I... I've been used to like very academia settings where like everybody's like pretty proper about like how they speak. And I literally work in a startup company where the F-bomb is dropped like every other moment. Well, and I'm like, wow. Well, well Tara, it's interesting you said about generational because Talia heard me speaking to one of my employees and said, oh, you were so mean to them. And I was like, I didn't think I was mean at all. I actually thought it was very calm and collective. Oh, God, and she, I with my dad. He does and the she, same thing. So I really had to think to myself, okay, how if that was mean, I really got to think about this. But now I wanted to hear myself. But then I realized, but I can't, I don't have a tape of it. So I can't like figure out what I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, okay. So, so cancel culture uh, in terms of Matthias, like, are we giving him like further chances? We're not and canceling you, him yet, or at least yeah. I'm not. This is what he does in Crooked Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He has at least one more book. Yes, yes, exactly. And again, like there's some things you can't really be forgiven for, but but you can still make amends. Again, hashtag. Let's remember this, guys. We love growth in this house. So, and that's not just with the author. I hope that's with the characters as well. So. I'm gonna end this because we're like the house. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. Hashtag we love growth in this house, all of us. Because honestly, y'all would hate me when I was in high school. Or, well, yeah, no, y'all, no, Jonathan probably wouldn't have. But yeah, I was not. I was not the greatest in high school. Either. I wasn't a bully, but you know, Sarah, um, I feel like I would have been mean to you in high school, and that makes me really sad. You, you probably. I probably you too, Nick, and you to you too, John. The more I think about it. <laughs> I would have been terrible to all of you, which is just very sad because you're lovely. Um, all right, so we will we will be back on December 27th with a special holiday episode. Um, we've still kind of like not totally decided what we're doing, but I do love the idea of reading. What was the play that you were talking about, Nick? Oh, the best Christmas pageant ever. Yes, best Christmas pageant, best Christmas pageant ever. I do like the idea of that because honestly, it's probably the easiest thing we could possibly do. Easier than having uh, a Christmas. And and yeah, yeah. So so we literally just have to go through and like assign some parts and stuff. So like I'm kind of I feel like that would be fun. Like just listening to us be ridiculous assholes for like an yeah. evening. <laughs> Thank you guys so much and have a lovely night. Bye. Good night. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.